0: From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Disney fanatic and co-host of The Transventures Q&A Show, it's Emily 24-7. When did you first realize you were different, and what were those initial clues?
1: So if I really think about it, you know, it goes back to about third or fourth grade. I mean, honestly, like, the highlight of coming home would be to try on my sister's clothes and, Mm. like if I'm completely honest, like hours, pretty much the whole time from like, probably till dinner was ready. When I got home certain days, I would just rush home, put on makeup, put on a dress, and I'd feel good. And I'd feel me. And then, you know, I do that kind of stuff a lot. And then like high school, I felt like I kind of sheltered it, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of hide it. um, Because I felt like, okay, no, 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 hide it. And then, you know, college, I started experimenting more, coming out with it more. And then, Again, hiding it again. And then, you know, it's all different layers and steps, um, at least in my experience, w- what I've gone through. So from here, you know, then I just, you know, I kind of knew I was trans from such a young, early age.
0: Wow. So um, was that, were, was your family in on it? Were your sisters participating? No. Like, making up? No, I had a, no idea. No, okay. So what, it was closeted, it was secretive.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: And you never got caught, huh? Even with putting on makeup and everything?
1: Oh no! I was good. I was sneaky. Uh, I was sneaky. I never got caught.
0: Very nice. Did you have the terrifying, like dri- like driveway noise kind
1: of moments? Oh, I have had. I've had the the knock on the door, and you're like, uh, "I'm just busy, okay?" <laughs> like, sorry, I need my privacy. Yep, yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> um, so you, you knew pretty early. When 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 did when did you realize it was that you were trans and not something else?
1: Um, that took a lot of self acceptance. Um, for a while, I kind of knew from like probably from college or yeah beginning of college on I knew that I was trans but I never accepted it <laughs> so like it was more like I knew what I was but I didn't want to touch it mm-hmm. I was like no you know no I'm not I'm not trans it's you know it could be this it could be that it could be something that doesn't have anything to do with this and it'll just it'll go away and that Honestly, kept going and going for a while until basically um, I moved here to Boston with my roommate who um, who ended up being um, female to male and opened up to me and, you know, I opened up to him and we talked and we kind of went through the process together. We kind of just said, okay, you know, we're not going to do anything, but let's just say this is our safe space, like the apartment and then like, okay, cool. Like and then we would trade clothes and we would like do other stuff. You know, he'd be like, Oh, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this prom dress. You take it. I'm like, cool. Awesome. I'm like, you know, here, take this. Oh, cool. Awesome. You know, like, so it was just kind of like a trade back and forth. We had a good friendship, you know, we still do. And we still talk. And, you know, when from there, we kind of just, you know, we moved forward in our transition, I started going to therapy. And when I started therapy, honestly, four years later, I'm here right now. So it's like, you know, four and a half years later, four four or five, I don't know, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here now. And that's, it kind of like took out like a bullet out of a gun after I started therapy. So, you know,
0: it just kind of went from there. Nice, yeah, it, it's it's kind of wonderful that you knew at such an early age and then had that wonderful experience of being able to explore it with that other person and share it and especially being able to trade clothes. I, I love that. Then you've got this built-in wardrobe. You you guys had the same, similar sizes?
1: Around, yeah around, around the same sizes. Um, Some things were different, but like we were around the same size. For, like actual clothing so like it was kind of like it was nice that like you know he obviously didn't want his female clothes and I didn't want really a lot of my male clothes at certain points like he but he liked them so like we could just switch back and forth and you know it was like, it was a good experience and it just I think it helped both of us out, and I don't think if it was for that I would have got in as far as I did honestly so to start with and as quick as I did
0: mm-hmm. my next question was it would be who did you first come out to so I think we've answered that but Outside of him, who did you first come out to and how did you do that?
1: Well, here's the thing. He actually wasn't the first one I came out to. Um, There was times before this where I came out to people and it didn't go as well as I thought. So if I think way back to the first person I ever came out to, I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college, senior in high school. And I was 17 or 18. And my girlfriend at the time was 16. And I came out to her. I just said, I kind of just said, hey. You know, I I gotta be honest with you, I think I'm a girl. And then she just kind of like broke down crying. So it wasn't the best experience the first time. And I think that's what kind of stopped me from moving forward with it at that point. Yeah, Because I had gotten such a bad reaction when that first happened that I was kind of like, nope, I'm good. I'm going to stop now. And then over over the years, I would slowly like on Facebook, never face to face anymore. That was like my last face to face till I was like out out. Mm-hmm. I would start like messaging people on Facebook best say, Hey, uh, so what would it be like if you know, I'm, you know, a girl or trans? And like, you know, and, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, so people would slowly start learning it. And no, even though I didn't do anything yet, I was like, look, I'm just not comfortable doing it yet. I'm, I don't know about this about myself yet. I can say it to you, but I can't say it to me. I was like, so <laughs> like, it's almost like it, I can say it to you, but I'm not saying it to me yet because I, I, I'm i still freaking out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But from there, it just went slowly, slowly to more people. And then, you know, then I got to the roommate situation from there. And then, you know, I kind of just went about telling people when I actually decided to transition. Hmm.
0: Who was the hardest person for you to come out to?
1: My dad <laughs> um, my dad was probably the hardest. He was the hardest person to come out to, and he took it the best huh. um, which was great um, for when it came to my parents, I basically wrote them an email. I think if anybody watches transveders, I think I've said this before I said this on there. Um, I wrote an email basically just saying, "Hey, look." This is who I am, this is what I, you know, I, I've been, this has been a long time, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm still me, I still love Disney, I still love Doctor Who, I still love all this other stuff, I'll still go to Comic-Con, I'll still, you know, do all me stuff. But I decided to write an email because I felt like there's no way, I wanted to get everything out mm-hmm. without being interrupted. I didn't want someone to be, I didn't want to start explaining it, and, and as soon as I hit transit and not finish the rest, they go, hey, wait a minute, I wanted them to read it fully. I wanted them to read every word, think about it, and then email me back. It was probably the best thing I did and the hardest thing because waiting for that reply was torture. I can imagine, yeah. But I did get a reply from my dad, and he was like, look, we're still going to talk. We still have conversations. You're still my child. I love you. There's nothing, you know, if if this is who you need to be, this is who you are, and, you know, that's it. And, you know, just call me when you're ready. So, and that was it. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it happened and it, so it worked much better for my at least my situation than I was thinking it would and you know I'm happy with that and I still have a really good relationship with my dad so he calls me at least three times a week that's great and how
0: is your family with gendering the uh, pronouns and the correct
1: name um it was hard at first um you know my mom would make mistakes sometimes you know when it's it was almost inevitable, um, especially on the phone, she'd hear me talking on the phone and she'd say it. after a while she didn't do it in person as much as she did it on the phone mm-hmm. um, and then there'd be times where you know they'd be she wouldn't go from basically she'd be going from you know, if she would be telling a story about me, she'd use my old name and pronouns and then be like, oh, but that's who I was like, no, 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 no you don't understand that's who I never was. do not do that like that just you know you're basically outing me to whoever you're talking to. Mm. Um, And after a while, she's understood that there hasn't, honestly, it's probably been, I don't know, probably a year since she's made that mistake, which is pretty good. Because it's about she's known for about five years. So like took her about four years to actually like, you know, hit the hammer on the nail on the hammer kind of thing. But uh, I think other than that, my grandmother will do it still. I mean, she's almost 80 years old. Mm. So I mean, sometimes it's hard and but you know she's she does it, but then she'll stop and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Emily. I didn't mean that." And you know, I know she you know she means well. So I mean, I'm I'm not gonna bash an 80 year old woman for like messing up once in a great while. So I mean, I I still try to say, "Oh no, that thanks. I appreciate it." But yeah, you're right. Like she's like, "No, I know, I know." And then and she and she will only do it on the phone too. She will not do it in person. Yeah, they've been really good. They've been pretty good about it. So. Well, that's it awesome. t- pronouns I took a while, but you know after a while they they did stick had you
0: so I haven't really um pushed that yet uh, with my family still trying to let them get used to the idea. Where were you at with hormones in this did you had you already been taking hormones when you started to really push for the the she her pronouns and the name
1: yes i when I started um because actually, one of the things in my dad's email, he was completely honest. He was like, look, it might take me a while to get used to using the correct name and pronouns, but I will get it. I kind of waited until I was on hormones, and then when I was going to start presenting and be fully 100% out for for me to actually like be like, hey, can you please use this? Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was, I didn't want to make things confusing for them, for, for myself. Because if I wasn't out at work yet, because there was a time It was about a good six-month period between, not between hormones, but between coming out to them and going full-time at work, which meant full-time at work basically meant full-time to me because that was the only place I wasn't myself, that I was kind of going back and forth. So, like, you know, they wanted to tell family, the other family, on their own accord, like, in a month. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, unfortunately, my grandmother, who I was very close with, died before she found out. And that Mm kind of killed me a little bit. And I kind of rushed the process after that. And the next week they decided to tell people because of what happened. Mm -hmm. And for me at least. Um, And then at that point, you know, people knew and people were still like my uncle. I remember um, my uncle found out and we were at um, my grandmother's funeral and he had known because um, my dad had told them and my mom had told them because of what happened to my grandmother. And you know, I know people were gonna ask because my hair I think was down to like here at that point. Mm -hmm. So people were gonna ask, obviously, like, you know, because I've never had long hair in my life until that moment. And basically, you know, my uncle hugged me and he's like, he's like, it's really good to see you. And but he said it really softly under his voice, like in my ear, Emily. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And then like, you know, he was really good about it. And then, you know from there, you know, people learned. And then when I came out at work, it was the time I was like, look, you know, I understand you're making mistakes, but can we please, you know, I'm a hundred percent, you know, out now, this is how I'm living life every single day. So, and then at that point, you know, that's when it started to, I started to put across that, like, you know, if you made a mistake, I was like, can you please not do that? Like stuff like that. So.
0: Hmm. Did you have anybody either in your family or outside, like at work or whatever that supported you that, um, you were you weren't expecting other than your dad obviously
1: I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting my dad to support me I was just very scared about it. <laughs> um, I, I thought maybe he would have but it would have been maybe a little harder You know what? I'm not sure probably um There's a couple cl- there's a couple male friends that I had that I didn't I honestly wasn't even thinking about telling because I was kind of like Okay, I don't know. How it's gonna go because this is a male friend or it's like it's a male friend <laughs> like it's a, like, you know, we have a certain friendship Mm-hmm. And like I was a little worried about that, and honestly, it was fine. It was you know, it was like, hey, you know, they actually one of them, I, actually two of them, two of them I never told because we just kind of lost track before then anyway of each other. And they found me on Facebook and they messaged me, hey, you look great. Oh, it seems like you're doing well. Something I wouldn't have expected, but I wish you told me you look, you you're, you seem like you're doing great, and you know, hmm. and it was, you know it was more of a surprise that, and you know, other than that though, um, you know. No, everybody kind of reacted the same way whether it was for or against. So, okay.
0: Pretty <laughs> in line with what you expected is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I had some people in in you know extended family that I was afraid to tell or some some other people and some of them have reached out same sort of situation and it's kind of wonderful when you get those Hey, you look great, and I'm so proud of you. You're doing this stuff, and you're like, "Wow, I wasn't even sure I would have wanted you to know," because like of the the particular <laughs> relationship we had, and you know, sometimes you just don't want that to to change. You don't want to sour mm-hmm. that, and you know, we just we, I guess we still just have these fears of, I don't know, ruining things with people. That's silly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, when did you first find community? When did you first find um? a a full-on support group other than that, that one
1: roommate? Honestly, it was through that one roommate. Um, I, um, my roommate was friends with my now best friend, Allie, you know, it's just, um, you know, she's not LGBT, she's cis straight. So like, you know, she was friends with him and he would, she would come over for new year's and we met and we talked and, you know, we, we met as before I transitioned. And then, you know, we I kind of opened up to her. we talked and then, you know, slowly we she took me out shopping one day, we hung out, you know, she, I was super scared of my life, like staring at the ground, like, no, look at me, I'm not looking at anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, trying to do this for the first time, and she was really supportive. And, you know, she'd she'd come over, we'd help out. And since then, we do everything together. It's actually today's her birthday. I just saying I just called her actually a little while ago Aww. but yeah like you know was, since then we literally became best friends attached to the hip there was before we had significant others we'd uh we'd basically be over each other's places like three times a week like hanging out or she'd call me whenever a boy would dump her i'm like all right i'm coming with the ice cream here i come <laughs> It's like you know two years ago now it's like all right like let's go and she's like okay thanks emily Like. <laughs> And then, you know, we, we just had developed a really strong bond and became best friends and that got me through a lot of stuff was having her and then having my roommate and then, you know, I had my old group of friends I would hang out, I used to hang out with anyway and then, you know, from there, I kind of d- developed, you know, a little friendship group. Um, my One of my friends from college and high school moved to Boston area and she would hang out with us and she still does and... She's very accepting. and She's one of the people who knew before anybody else as well. <laughs> so she would like, you know, we, in, back in high school, we'd go try on prom dresses together. You know what I mean? So she knew, and mm-hmm. so had, this was a big thing for her because she was excited that it finally happened. And you know, like, so we we all had we have a little group we formed from there. And when did you get into
0: online community?
1: I got into online community completely by accident. So basically, what happened was around 1am 2am one day, I was doing laundry. And I was like, You know what, I'll just post a timeline video of my six months on HRT on YouTube. And so I just went, Okay, sure. And I just posted it. And then I come back like the next day, and it has like 5000 views. And I'm like, Whoa, okay, cool. So then you know, I, I just kept posting videos, I did like a little intro video. And then I just, you know, talked about what happened this day. And then I'm like, Okay, well, I came out to this person. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a video on it, and then I would do a video every week. And Mm. then I saw people were watching, and then you know, uh, one of my earliest fans, if any of you watched Transvenders, was Mika. (laughs) So like, um, that's how I met her because she had messaged me as a viewer and a fan of my channel, and you know she'd message me and these other people would message me and i just talked to them and you know sometimes i'd get a message from someone else or like i just keep posting videos about my name change about how i did it about how i did all my birth certificate documents how i did like all these other stuff and people seem to appreciate it and honestly looking at it now when i was looking for somebody to watch on youtube i felt like there was nobody who at least you know five years ago now there was nobody i identified with who was like just like average every day like hey this is happening or like <laughs> hey you know whatever's happening during the day it was i all i would find would be like oh they didn't know i was trans chat with boy or whatever you know what i mean uh, yeah so like i felt like i wanted to do something that was more just the average person or trans girl or like the everyday You know, normal, regular trans girl who's just transitioning and wants to know about stuff. So, like, I started doing it, and you know, since then it's been five years. And since then, I got on Instagram and I met everybody on Instagram, and then I met Mika, and then I met some other uh, Samantha and Ari and everybody else. And you know, from there we just became friends. And yeah, from there kind of took off. Then I just started was all of a sudden I'm on social media one day, so (laughs) (laughs) stumbled right into it. Kind of did. Yeah, it was completely by accident. How far along would you say
0: you're in your journey? And I I'm, I mean, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, just starting out completely done? Where where do you think you are?
1: Obviously, there's always things I feel like we can nitpick about ourselves that we want to work on. I think that's not even being trans. That's just part of being a woman. Mm-hmm. When I think about it, you know, obviously, I'm st- I am I want to go back to my voice lessons. I kind of stopped those for a while with COVID and everything else happening. I was trying to do some voice lessons. I don't think I'd ever get surgery. I think I'm done with surgeries. I've had my bottom surgery as well as my top surgery. I don't feel like I want anything further for myself, at least. And then, you know, just, you know, as every trans woman knows and goes through, more and more electrolysis and facial hair removal, but I mean which will keep going for probably a while. But after that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I I'm, think I'm light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Like I'm kind of like, you know, there's not much major I want to do besides like maybe learning things with my voice or, you know, just going to those annoying electrolysis and laser sessions. So,
0: <laughs> Oh, the joys, the joys. Do you see with the light at the end of the tunnel? Do you see a change in your social, uh, in your social media presence coming? Um, or would, would you take a step back from any of that
1: no I mean honestly I have taken a step back from YouTube um, I, I did a video recently this week um, but that was the first video I'd done in six months um, I think there was a time where like I just was kind of when you basically get to a certain point sometimes it's harder especially when I when you first start out when I was first starting out I thought I had endless things to say on YouTube because I was doing something new every single week in my transition because there was so much happening and after a while I noticed that I just started living and that's what it's all about so like you know I I wasn't doing this endless stuff anymore I'd still do enough where I could do one every other week or so and then I started posting some stuff that maybe wasn't trans related as much and then you know but you know i still want to post i still want a social media presence i don't think i'd step back as much i feel like i've already stepped back from like what i was like maybe three or four years ago when i was first transitioning but i think i'd still i i would still maintain some kind of presence based on the community and based on people i know and based on you know what i do usually you know during the day and who i interact with so i mean i feel it's all all basically comes together in that way how long uh
0: a question from the chat how long did it take for your hair to
1: grow out when I first started to grow my hair out to get about probably up to maybe my ears or below my ears just below my ears took about a year um, I started with a shaved head obviously so mm. that that's why it took a while past that I just based on some shampoos I use I use a shampoo that has biotin in it um, I use a couple of things like that it took three three or so years maybe to get to get this length this is the longest i think i've actually ever had it so this would probably be but i've also cut it a couple times to be be about shoulder length so i would say overall about probably about two and a half three years to fully grow out my hair like fully grow it out with because you should always when you're growing out your hair you should always get regular trims because yes it it shortens it but it's going to make the hair better in quality as you're going and it's going to make it so it's easier to do and it's it grows better and it grows faster that way if you do trims um just an inch or so half an inch even and it just makes the process better overall and makes your hair better Mm -hmm. so that's i mean it seems like it's the opposite of what you want to do it's actually what you want to do
0: what were some of the big fears that you ran up against in your transition and how did you overcome those
1: there was quite a few i mean honestly i think the biggest fear for anybody is just coming out just, just just telling people and just doing it and just coming out. That was probably the biggest. I mean, I say I sent an email, but it wasn't that easy. I, I wrote it, rewrote it, and then sat there with my hand on the mouse for the send button for like two hours straight. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, that's a big you know thing to overcome. And you just get so scared of I, I would almost say it's being scared of the unknown. Cause you as much as you feel like you know, and you probably do know, like I knew We probably do know, but you still get that fear that maybe you don't know, like how things are going to come out, Mm -hmm. how things are going to happen. So it gives you that fear of, you know, what am I doing? What will I lose? When in the end, what you lose, as far as my experience has been uh, has shown me is what I lost is nowhere near what I've gained. So in the end, you got to look at it that way, too.
0: And was that the same thing that you would say with and the physical the- aspects as well, like uh, GCS?
1: For confirmation surgery, um, there was fear there for a while. There was a lot of fear. I mean, there still is. I mean, I'm, I'm healing. You know, I, I had it done in December, so I'm still kind of fresh out of it a little bit. Um, it definitely takes time to heal. And, you know, I've had my own set of complications, which I'm actually doing a video on this week, and it's Emily. So i um, talking about those kind of issues I've been having with my dilation and stuff. Because it's a process. Um, It it takes work, it takes, you know, time to, to, you know, you have something fresh, you have to learn yourself again, you have to do that kind of stuff. So they're still there. Um, when, When thinking about fear beforehand, though, I wouldn't say that the fear was like, Oh, do I really want this kind of fear? That was never my fear. I think it was more fear of like, Oh, my God, this is a major surgery. And like, you're literally cutting me up. Like, and I'm like, I have to get a, like an epidural, like in my back, a huge needle. And like, I have to, like, I think it was more spheres of the actual appointment and the process of how strenuous and exhausting the healing was going to be. And that's in that setting, than getting the surgery itself.
0: Did you think that, do you think that the therapy that you had was a major contributing factor to that? Is that why it was easy for you? You didn't feel any fears of making a mistake or regrets?
1: I talked about that with my therapist sometimes. And you know, there was times I was a little scared. I was Like, look, I'm just scared of the surgery. And for me, I think for me, personally, it was all about just being scared for the surgery, not scared for the actual like, you know, what it's gonna give me because I felt I think for myself, I always knew that I was happy with what it was going to give me based on what I already had. It was kind of, it was a mixed bag. So we talk about it. And usually, honestly, that would be the first thing she would bring up. Because she would be like, you know, hey, you know, is it scared because you don't know if you want it? And I'd have to say every time, like, no, it's not that I don't want it. I'm just scared of the process in general, because you know, I don't want to do something that's going to you know, physically harm me or cost me my life or something. But then, you know, we talk more and I'd be like, well, honestly, if you don't have it, is it going to do anything different? I'm like, No, probably not. So like, you know, this is something I know I needed. And no, I am I, a personally wanted, obviously, not every trans woman and every trans person needs surgery. So like, for myself, though, I felt like this was something that I needed to do. So it, it was definitely never in the back, back of my mind that I didn't want it. So
0: do you have moments these days where you feel dysphoric? Does anything cause that? You mentioned the voice. Is it other?
1: The voice. The voice definitely does it. Um, I mean, I can be completely honest. My voice, my shoulders. Um, <laughs> sometimes, though, those those certain things like my shoulder. I have actually kind of wider shoulders. So sometimes those kind of do it to me. It, it Honestly, the biggest thing I would say, yeah, it's my voice and my shoulders. But those those are probably the two things that only give me dysphoria. I don't have dysphoria down below anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have dysphoria about my chest. I don't have dysphoria about anything else. Um, usually my voice is what does not And it, it even makes me sometimes not want to speak sometimes because I get worried in public or on the phone or something like that, that, you know, what are people going to think of my voice? Like, I don't want to and then I, I if i really think about it sometimes i'll just be quiet or let my fiance like you know speak for me or do something or you know be the one to say oh table for two you know or mm-hmm. something like a little like that what were some of the biggest learning curves or things that you've had to get used to in the transition i mean there's a lot of learning curves honestly one of them would be unwanted touching in the workplace and unwanted touching in general from men and male counterparts hmm. Um, when I first came out, this kind of surprised me. Um, I was fortunate enough when I came out actually that I had looked, you know, we basically the way a school, my school works when we, you know, break for Christmas, we don't come back till like mid-January for my job. We have that time paid off. So basically, you know, I took that time to basically come out before then, you know, they took care of that. They came back a week before I did. They talked about it to with everybody who was pertinent to talk to about, like my fellow co-workers. And then I came back as me, as Emily. So, and that was great, but I was fortunate enough where apparently when I came back and when I fully, you know, I wasn't presenting as male, I was presenting as female, that some people didn't recognize me or even notice that I, and thought I was somebody new. <laughs> um, a professor actually came up to me and said, oh, you know, there's a guy used to work in his office. Um, did they let him go or like? <laughs> that's gotta feel validating
0: Uh, (laughs) that's gotta feel extremely validating
1: yeah it did it did and that was like some of my first experiences at my workplace and then you know having someone um i don't know if you know her um andrea kramer is a was a professor where i worked um she is a sports journalist and sports uh person who does a lot of work for nfl and espn and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and she actually personally came to my office to you know Tell me that you know she she was happy for me and like heard about it and like and and that was really great seeing someone so big in as a woman in the media and in sports to like actually come up and talk to me. But um, I'm getting off track. What was your original question?
0: Just the, the unexpected things in the transition. Yeah. So you you know you're just so, so on the big thing know, of, of, to
1: touch it yeah how women are yeah. treated in general. Um, so, yeah. So like you know that was those were all great experiences. But then with that when people some people didn't recognize me like I was saying came with, you know, people, um, I'm in the tech field. And some people like would who didn't know me before, or did recognize before just kind of didn't accept my knowledge as they used to. And they'd also you know, Oh, thank you. And there'd be like a soft pat or a touch. And that would never happen before. And it would be clear to me because this had never happened to me before. Like, why are you touching me for doing that? I don't think you deserve to touch me for that. But OK, like, I, am I getting a pat on the back? What's going on? You're touching my shoulder Are you touching my hand. And that was just very really unexpected to me. And then when I talked to my cis female friends about it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that like happens all the time. And it's, I'd be like, but we don't like one of them was like, I don't even really notice it anymore because it's been since, you know, as something unusual because it's been since I was like, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I was like, well, you know, I did. And they're like, well, that's kind of crazy to me. And like, they thought about it, like, well, you've never had that. So all of a sudden you're experiencing it now. And then you're seeing every single example of it. So that was something that I didn't expect and something that I didn't see coming.
0: How do you feel that that the transition has affected your mental health? Mental health? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, great. <laughs> um, honestly, I used to be very shy. I used to be very quiet. I would never want pictures of myself taken. I would never basically be social. I would—I felt like I was either living through a fandom or I was living through my friends. So basically I'd be like that person that would just say would be the nice friendly person and help everybody out and basically be there for everybody else but myself. And then I'd also be like almost living on the outside and living in other people's worlds. Or if I dated someone, I'd, I'd just be a part of their world not mine, I would never put myself first. And basically, that changed once I transitioned. And once I felt more comfortable with who I was, and then I started gaining more confidence. And I started gaining more of like, you know, just like being happy with myself and who I was and actually happy with the person I was showing people and telling people. And I could have friendships based on genuine, you know, I like you, you like me, like, we're friends. Mm hmm. Like it was basically, I was now a part of their lives, and they were a part of my lives, and I wasn't just in the background.
0: That's a wonderful shift—the finding the um, the self importance, and the reason to yep. actually partake. I love that.
1: How did you choose your name? Um, that's a. I went through a lot of names. Um, there was a lot of names I went through at first. There was, I think, I've gone. I think there was Sarah, Ashley, Kim. Uh, there was a bunch and then honestly not joking the way it happened was for Emily I just the, the name I was trying out and going by when I was actually thinking of transitioning was Emily because I was trying Emily and honestly it just stuck so like I just kind of I was like okay I like Emily it's cool so like I just kind of went with it and it just kind of like it kind of stuck and I was like okay cool and I was on my beginning ride of transition and I yeah, just stuck with it
0: so you tried out other dames. How did you do that?
1: Um just through with um, either people I was dating who knew or people who like were friends who knew and like I'd be like all right, let's try this. You call me this. Let's um you know, how how did uh how do you feel about it? Like I don't know. And then like, you know, just you know, they would just keep calling me, you know, they they would switch it whenever I asked, I, I like my friends are really good about it. And I appreciated that. And like, especially the ones I hadn't really talked to, I would just be talking to on Facebook about it. And you know, just after a while, we would, I would see, you know, how it felt. And then you know, I and honestly, that by the end of it, when I was on Emily, I was like, Yeah, I like Emily, it's cool. <laughs> and then um, what I ended up doing, though, for my middle name was my mom was having a hard time still with everything when i first came out and accepting it so i actually gave her the choice of choosing my middle name
0: wow
1: and that made her because she she just it made her feel better about it it made her feel like she was still naming me Mm -hmm. so i felt like that was a good way and honestly after i did that that helped a lot with the her acceptance so like just knowing that she had a hand and i wasn't just throwing away what you know she had called me like she was actually like participating and i felt that was a good move and then honestly she ended up picking her own name rose so like my my so my middle name is emily rose allen so what advice do you have for young or closeted trans people i mean in the end you got to do what's best for you i know it's hard to think about the way other people are going to react and the way other people are going to think but What's waiting for you on the other side is amazing. And just the the feeling it doesn't I mean, I've had some family members who don't accept me. I've had family members who do accept me. I've had friends who don't accept me. I've had friends who do accept me. My relationship with them increased a hundredfold because I was who I am now. You have to keep going forward. You have to think about you. Just like I didn't think about myself for once. You have to think about you and what's going to make you the happier person and make your life worth living in the end because it's your life, not theirs. And I think going forward, I know it's going to be scary, but you just keep your head up high and you keep going forward and you'll get there.
0: Get into the audience questions and then we'll get to um, the last one that I have. Someone said that they were um, caught and thrown out of their parents' house when they were – you know, trying on other clothes when they were discovering themselves. Do you have any stealth tips for closeted trans people on how they can dress without getting caught by spouses and family?
1: Oh, really? Um, it's kind of tough for me at least because when I did it, I was in fourth grade. So for me, it was just, you know, it could just be, Oh, my sister did that. Why are you doing that? Don't do that. You know, I feel bad because I probably got her in trouble so many times for like, <laughs> having clothes under the bathroom sink or something so many times. Uh, I'm not sure you know, it's it's a little tough. I used to honestly, when I was dating people, though, like before this in, um in after college and stuff, I used to keep everything in a trash bag. I used to be try to be very stealthy about it. But I was never like living with anybody for a long time until you know, I met Juliana. And then you know, before that, like, I was very just myself. So it was kind of like, I've never had that experience because I was never—I've never been married or you know had mm. kids or anything like that. So like um, for me, it's always been a little easier because I was just me, so like on my own. So yeah,
0: I did the—I um, didn't have a trash bag. I did a duffel bag, but it was easy for me because at that point it was just—it was just panties. That was all I had, and then you know eventually some bras. But for the most part, it was easy to keep in a reasonable-sized duffel bag and keep that tucked. Deep in the closet. Who was the first trans person that you learned about, um, and was sort of a role model for you?
1: My aunt um, came out as trans when I was twelve. Hmm. Um, in many ways, she got everybody ready for me to come out, and I've you know I've always appreciated that about her because she took a lot of brunt of you know some stuff that I didn't have to deal with. Especially when it came to my dad and you know other people like you know about learning it and learning about it um, Came from her obviously there there was um, Pros and cons to it because there was pros because I looked up to her a little bit by like going like wow You know she did this and you know she didn't just do it. She did it like in the 90s, (laughs) you know like during a time Where it wasn't as accepted. Yeah, and she helped basically take the brunt from my family But also there was the negative where I had to hear everything negative that was being said um, by certain people in the family who didn't think it was, you know, a big deal to make fun of my aunt and like, because they were trans. So like, which almost pushed me back from transitioning a little bit too, because, you know, you get scared, like, I don't want that to be me. So it's, you know, it was goods and it was things that were good. And now I recognize things that I know. I know she, she probably doesn't even realize it, but she know, I think she took a lot of the initial impact of me coming out as trans way back then.
0: So did you get a chance to to talk to her and and ask her any questions as you were considering coming out?
1: I met with her and I told her, I was like, you know, Hey, and she's like, Hey, so what's up? And I was like, Think I'm trans, and she was like, "I'm sorry," (laughs) and I was like, "Oh," and then you know, and I understood where she was going from, and she was like, "You know, you know, how? What are you thinking about doing? Are you? Have you told anybody?" I was like, "No," and then you know, obviously, you know, people have their own thoughts in their heads, and you know, one of the things was she was like, "Oh my God, they're gonna blame me. They're gonna think I did this." and i'm like like you know i get it like but you know at the same time no like but i understand where the thought came from like cuz you know at the same time she took so much that to think that you know something else is going to come at her cuz you know someone else in the family is coming out as trans it's you know it's a tough situation but we talked and you know she she also had surgery so i talked to her a lot before surgery especially you know before coming to do it and you know we've had a relationship and you know she has a relationship with my dad and everybody else. And, you know, it's, it's nice. And, you know, we've gone through some of the same things. So it's nice sometimes to talk to each other. And she understands kind of the, some of the stuff I'm going through. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll be like, Oh, you know, she's like, how are you paying for surgery? I was like, oh, insurance is covered. She's like, what? You know, cause you know, she has her surgery way back in the 90s, when that was not even a thing. So you know, and she went to, you know, um, Southeast Asia. So you know, there's definitely some gaps there, but there's definitely some commonality, which is nice to have and to see sometimes, especially when you're doing family stuff. So,
0: Yeah. Parts of a, of a question from before. Um, how does it feel to be a leader and a role model for thousands of young women across the world? And um, adding on to that, what sort of things have come of that?
1: it's hard for me sometimes to think of myself in that way. Um, Because you know, when I'm doing it, I'm just me. No, and I get that. And honestly, it means a lot. Like every time I get a message from somebody that says, like, Oh, my God, thank you. Like your video helped me or even like, Oh, I love your content. Thanks a lot. This helped me in this place. Um, It means a lot. And honestly, I feel like I'm being completely sincere. When I say this, it doesn't I don't feel like I'm just helping other people. I feel like everybody is helping me as well. People telling me this gives me the confidence as well in myself. I feel like it's both sides here. I I love everybody. And I love the you know, the, the way people react to my videos, I love that it helps people and just hearing that it helps people makes me feel better and then i feel like i want to give more and i feel like that's what it is and it's i feel like i've been helped more than i could have possibly ever helped anybody else honestly
0: in some cases do you think that holding off on your transition until you move out of your parents house is the best thing to do even for your mental health
1: if you fear for your safety yes um i would say if you fear for your safety yes of course your your your, your safety and your well-being should be first and foremost, um, if you feel for your uh, safety and well-being that much, if you said anything, something bad would happen, I feel like you should get out of that situation as fast as possible. However, I never feel like it is good to withhold yourself. I feel like it drains you. I felt like every day or every you know passing day that happened where I withheld who I was, drained me emotionally and mentally. I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was always late to work. I just didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to stay home and watch my TV shows or play video games. It was just draining to me to be in society. Um, Now I'm the opposite. Now I am begging to go out whenever I can. I want to throw in a Disney dress and just go out to do something and have some fun and i think when you withheld some something so big a part of yourself for so long and you keep withholding it it's going to literally kill you from the inside out Mm -hmm. until there's nothing left um it's never good to hold in i understand some situations call for it like i said if you feel like your life would literally be in danger or you would put yourself in danger by saying it then you can hold off until you get into that safer situation. But if that you don't think that's the case, and it's just you're kind of scared of what could happen or what the reaction will be more based on yelling, stuff like that. And, you know, because we all had parents. Um, <laughs> you know, it's never good to withheld yourself because you're you're almost beating yourself up more by not saying anything than you would be by saying something
0: yeah that's my
1: opinion obviously
0: and um you know you mentioned it and we've heard it a couple times on this show that a lot of times our kind of our radar is is can be fairly accurate like we sort of know who it's likely going to support and and who isn't and then also kind of their level of reaction so if you know their their level of reaction is going to be really negative or they're they're you know, if you're uh, if you're really genuinely afraid, if, if not for violence, but they're going to throw you out of their house, then just mm-hmm. make sure you take the steps slowly first to build up your network, find someone to talk to, find a group, find some support, um, you know, and, and then and then weigh that if you have the support group, if you have somebody that says, well, if they kick you out, uh, you can totally stay with us. If, if you have that kind of, you know, network behind you, then. You know maybe go forward with your decision uh, but just just weigh all that stuff first and just like I said make, make sure you have your network behind you as much as you can before you do some of the, those scarier things so that just in case if worst case scenario does happen you have someone you can call that can pick you up you have somewhere you can land those sort of things on the other side so once you have come out are there any tip do you have any tips for coming out and living openly without fear or anxiety how do you get rid of the fear and anxiety <laughs> That's a big one that I need to learn.
1: That is a big one. Um, fear and anxiety. I mean, that hit me before I even came, first came out, which was I basically just going out shopping for the first time. I had tons of fear and anxiety, and honestly, it it clicks back to your to the network having having a a group of friends, eat, no matter how small, or something, somebody that can back you up and and lift you up during it will mean the world because. At first, everybody is scared. I mean, honestly, it's just how it is. It's, you know, it's a scary thing. You always think every single person is looking at you on the street, even though they're not. Um, Sometimes I, and honestly, you never really get completely over it. I sometimes still feel like sometimes I was like, is that person looking at me because they know I'm trans? Like, I still do it. And, like, it's one of those things where the more you do it, the more you go out the more you build your confidence in yourself the less it'll affect you it will never stop affecting you but you won't pay as much attention to it mm-hmm. it's like the best advice i can give you on that everybody feels it it doesn't matter who you are what you know what you do who i feel it i know some of the other trans vendors have felt it we've talked about it i know You know, everybody feels it and will continue to feel it. And it's just whether or not you let it overtake you and control you or you let it go past and you and you you do have more confidence than you do the anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. And I've gotten my hair since I grew my hair out. I've gotten it cut once. So I'm not good about that yet. And then, you know, this year, it's obviously out out the window. But I hope to get into doing that, too, because now it's just too long. It's it's really kind of unwieldy. Um, any passing last words, any other words of advice you'd like to give trans people on our way out?
1: Be you, be proud, be happy. That's it. That's all I can really say to you guys. Um, you know, in the end, it's your journey, not anybody else's. And you do what's best for you and you're the one who knows that.
0: Great advice.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from The Transverse Network. Watch the full
0: video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash Transverse, and be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash Transverse.